Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, un unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. What? Mary has become pregnant? Oh my word. Was the love she had shown me all lies and pretenses? No, I cannot believe it. Who is the father of the baby on earth then? I cannot imagine this. This is heartbreaking indeed. Nonetheless, I do not want her to suffer with this. If the law of Moses is to be applied to her with her pregnancy, no, it will be far more painful since it would risk even her life. My heart has been crushed, yet I need to divorce her, divorce her as quietly as possible so that Mary will not be hurt. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear his son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. This dream feels so real. What is it the angel said? Mary has had the baby by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord. This is really hard to believe. However, it could make sense, though, because the more I think, the more I become sure that the love Mary has shown me was never a fake or a false pretense. It was true and real. Wait, what if the angel, what if what the angel just told me is true? And Mary has been struggling all along with this sudden pregnancy amidst rumors and misunderstandings about the pregnancy. That must be too heavy for her to bear. If that's the case, I must be the one who should care for Mary right now and trust her. If what the angel told me is true, then it is I who has betrayed our love because I did not trust her enough. Oh, poor Mary. Forgive me, and I will protect you from now on. This message from the angel is not simple to believe. Yet this is about the Messiah, saving God's people from their sins. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. O God of Abraham, be with us, protect us, and guide us. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I enjoy to ask after preaching or no, rather than that, um, it's really helpful for pastors hearing from people after preaching that it was encouraging, it was good. That's really helpful and encouraging, right? It's more so when people mention a certain word and part among the sermon. So for example, Antenne told me it was encouraging uh, last time I preached and what part you liked and he thought and 
the combination of humbleness and confidence and how we should apply it, being confident and humble at the same time. You know, I thought about that. I really liked his kind of feedback. I asked my son, Sung Ju, what part was your favorite? He said, go in peace. <laughs> Maybe not today. It was also Sungju that asked me a question, learned from Bethany Christian School, that, Dad, you know about the shortest verse in the Bible? Oh, I never thought about that. He told about John 11, 35. Many of you should know, right? What's the word? Jesus wept. Even though it's very short words, it contains many things in it, right, about Lazarus and Jesus' emotion being human like us. Being sure doesn't mean it has shallow meaning in it. Maybe the opposite. It may have more meaning in the short verse. And today, with the drama, the verse Matthew 1.19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, Resolve to divorce her quietly. How this one verse containing so much emotions, feelings, frustrations, complexity in that. As I pre prepared this sermon, the first idea I got is about making a contrast with the story of Genesis that um, the first man, Adam, when he first met Eve, what he said, wow, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He was marveled at her and he, he was happy with her in the Garden of Eden. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And then when they fell with the temptation of the serpent, when God asked Adam, did you eat the fruit? I told you not eat. And what he said, Adam said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit and I ate it. So from his bone of bones and flesh of flesh and now become the cause of his fall and failure. And it happens in our real life sometimes that we take our spouse as our bone of bones and flesh of flesh, but, but sometimes you caused me fail, something like that. So that kind of ups and downs, we need to be careful. But Joseph, at the first chapter of Matthew, he wanted to cover his fiancée. He didn't want to put her in public disgrace. It was he may have felt, he might have felt kind of betrayal, frustration, and anger, whatever possible emotion. But he chose to cover, chose to protect her. That critical difference I see. Deuteronomy, chapter 22, verse 23 to 24. It says, 
If there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. It sounds quite harsh, right? And with this verse, um, Matthew 1.19, about Joseph's plan to cover Mary, from uh, a commentary, a baker exegetical commentary on New Testament, which is very reliable, I recommend it. He explains about Joseph's plan here like this. It's a bit long quote, but it's worth quoting. Joseph's plan to quietly divorce Mary is explained here. The plan emanates from Joseph's character as a just man who does not wish to publicly disgrace Mary. This is expressed in the Greek text with two circumstantial participles whose logical relationship to each other and to the main verb of the sentence is a matter of some debate. Joseph's righteousness is, is of the experiential, practical sort. Matthew is saying that Joseph is an upright, devout man who obeys the law of Moses. A Protestant notion of imputed forensic righteousness is not taught here. Some suggest that righteous here is equivalent to merciful and that Joseph's reticence to disgrace Mary uh, publicly is due to his kindness toward her. But this is dubious lexically. It is better to take righteous in its normal sense as law-abiding and thus to handle the participial phrase as concessive, though he was righteous, like that. If so, the conjunction chi in Greek means end, which connects the two participles, should be viewed as a mild adversative like yet, which is not unlike Matthew's use of chi elsewhere. Then, the meaning, of, meaning is that even though Joseph is a law-abiding man, he does not wish to use the law in all its rigor against Mary. Instead, he plans a quiet divorce. If this interpretation is correct, Joseph becomes something of a model of one whose high standards are balanced with compassion. So Joseph knew it. He knew about Deuteronomy, about those toning about the purging and the frustration as her fiancé. Yet he chose noble and compassionate choice, loving Mary to the end. He covered her shame, her public disgrace, even when he felt totally betrayed. How lacerating and heartbreaking, yet Joseph's choice being sublime an indelible response to this event of pregnancy. And I see Joseph's quiet covering Mary as forgiveness. So Matthew chapter 1 starts with forgiveness about his fiancé. In Proverbs, uh, there are eight times of glory. The word glory shows up eight times, and one of them is Proverbs 19.11, Good sense makes one slow to anger, 
and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So as we go through this Advent, I believe it's worthwhile for us to meditate with Joseph. How he went through all that event and how he chose to forgive and cover his fiancée Mary with his faithful love and nobleness and forgiveness. The second point is that Joseph chose to believe the dream. In his dream, he met angels, right? And the angel told him this pregnancy happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, and even more often, it's not easy to accept dreams as they are in our life. It might be also problematic if we all accept all dreams in our life as true or revelation. It will be hectic. But in the midst of aspiration and waiting for the Messiah under Roman occupation, Joseph chose to believe the revelation through the dream. Here is an interesting story, a fun story I shared last Sunday at St. Mark. There was a man, a bit forgetful but patient man, on his business trip from California to New York. And it was very, very important business meeting. So he went to airport and he went through all security check and he felt a little bit of hunger. So he purchased a chip there and look at the watch and time about 40 minutes left to on board. So he sat down and a call came from his supervisor and again emphasizing him that how important the meeting. So okay, okay. So he felt even more kind of a bit burdensome, a bit stressful. So he felt more hunger after the call, so he tried to, he started to eat his chip, reading some magazine. And a woman beside him, all of a sudden, started to eat his chip. <laughs> so the man, being a bit stressed out, finding her, what's going on with her? But this man, this man's character, a bit forgetful, but kind and patient, okay, let us see. And the woman kept eating. <laughs> One by one. So one time her, one time him. Like that, they were sharing the chips in the airport. So the man gets more and more upset and embarrassed. And finally, they left only one chip. And the woman took the last chip and made it half. <laughs> gave it to him and then smiled at him and left the place. And seeing her... So the man was kind of deeply embarrassed like, embarrassed like that. And he went into the airplane. Uh, and then he wanted to work in the airplane, in the flight. So he wanted to take his laptop. You know what? He found his chip from his bag. <laughs> so the chip was not his, but hers. Uh, so, with this critical notion, that rude, embarrassing, whatever brazen women all of a sudden has become so kind and lovely, even shared the last chip, half and half, and smiled at him, and she could live like that.
Whenever I use this story, it reminds me that knowing something critical or not, how drastic is the gap between those two? Before he found the chip, she was a really bad person. <laughs> Unthinkable. What's going on? Why are you eating my chip? Not telling me even. And finding the chip, right? What a kind person on earth she became, right? And with this story, I thought further. How critical is the gap between we choose to believe and not to choose believe? If Joseph didn't choose to believe the revelation in his dream, oh, I cannot believe that. Whatever dream, whatever angel, oh, this is so hectic, I will not believe this dream. Then he wouldn't take Mary as his wife. And he couldn't. He must have not enjoyed his privilege named the Messiah, right? But he chose to believe the dream as God's revelation. This is God's will in the midst of our waiting for Messiah. This is God's will. I humble myself. I accept God's plan for me. And he took Mary as his wife and didn't have relationship until the baby was born. And according to the guidance of the angel, he named him Jesus. And we see a beautiful overlap with Adam in the garden, naming all those animals, even his wife. Now, this Adam, at the first chapter of Matthew, he named Messiah. Based on faith, Joseph could accept Mary as his wife, and he could have the great honor of naming the Messiah. With this notion, we need to think about the gap between our choice to believe the kingdom of God, God's existence, God is there for us, covering our sins, our shortcomings, forgiving us, giving us second and third and fourth chances in our life. And Jesus' resurrection after the death. Do we believe it or not? And think about the gap if we do not choose to believe. And just like all the secular thought of living, oh, death is the end. If we think so, then we cannot maintain our Christian life and commitment at all. When Jesus' disciples ask Jesus, how can we do God's work? They ask that. God's work. How could we do that? And what Jesus said to do God's work is to believe whom God sent. So our ministry and, and God's work, the work of God's kingdom, starts from our faith that God is there. God is living, loving us. And our every breath, our life, walking, sitting, sleeping, every being, every action, every detail, God is there. With the choosing to believe, choosing faith, the gap, life between faithless and faithful becomes so critical. Like the example of the man who mistook. 
So three points to apply this story in our life. Joseph has become, Joseph became a great example of forgiveness and covering his fiance in the middle of his own kind of turbulence and emotion. He chose to forgive his fiance. And as we go through this advent, why don't you grow forgiveness in us? C.S. Lewis once said, forgiveness is easy to say until you yourself is to do that. So relationship in our life is complex. It's so multi-layered. And if we keep focusing on the hurting part and only us, only people, it becomes more and more difficult to forgive and accept each other, one another as they are. Only when we behold the glory of cross, the glory of God's forgiveness, then it becomes more possible and triable in the power of the Holy Spirit, accepting people as they are, even forgiving and even blessing. As we wait for in our anticipation of Advent, how much we need to carry whatever bitterness or hatred in us. Seeing the glory of incarnation, God has started something new creation in Jesus Christ and the New Testament. It's still going on. And that new creation has started with God's proclamation of God's grace of forgiveness. As we anticipate the baby Jesus, God, in his weakest form, God sent us his son to forgive us and give us a second chance to follow God's way. Why don't you grow your forgiveness? And even there is a strict warning from Jesus. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven as well. So meditating how Joseph responded, so noble and sublime to Mary, we should grow forgiveness, acceptance about people around us. Iron sharpens iron in the class. Uh, we are doing Galatians. And Galatians is one of the main, main issue behind the curtain is circumcision. Actually, not behind the curtain. It's said, it's well explicit, said in Galatians. And Apostle Paul, quite often and so emphasizingly, saying that we are not saved by the law. But at the same time, we need to be careful about, about thinking about the law, how it is useful or useless in the New Testament. Because what, the, what Paul stood against was law of Moses. And one of his conclusions in Galatians 6, as we see, is the fruits of the Holy Spirit and power of the Holy Spirit. And Galatians 6, 2. Paul mentioned about the law of Christ by bearing each other's burdens. And I believe that's the, one of the climactic beauty of Galatians. Bear one another's person. So achieve the law of Christ. So many times we misunderstand Paul, that he's kind of standing against law. It is not. It is not. It's kind of offering a new interpretation about the law, especially the law of Christ, the law of Jesus, 
bearing each other's burden. Could could mean also forgiveness. First Peter chapter four seven to eight it says, "The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all." Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. This is a lovely verse. The end of all things at hand, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So as you wait for the Christmas, Growing the forgiveness of us, I believe, is very critical in our congregation for Christians as well. Second point to apply is choose to believe. Uh, it's interesting that it gets more difficult for me compared to my teens, my teen time, my, my 20s, my 30s. It was kind of easier to believe God is there, God is all sovereign, God's kingdom, God is so good. But the more I get kind of older, my mid-40s and getting to 50s, it's not easy to believe like a child sometimes. Yeah. Reading news and mass media, and all the politics and word, all this information, the more I read, Sometimes it's challenging to believe there's a God. It's not only me, even Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Sometimes she said, sometimes I don't know there's a God. And some theologians, especially who studied spirituality, uh, they said it's dark night of soul. Something like that. But I choose to believe, coming back to the Bible, bothering, storing myself, Lord, give me new faith. Help me to believe that you are there. You gave me, gave us the son and resurrected him. Give me strength to keep believing. I believe that's the fight. Whether we choose to believe or not to believe. One of the points of faith, I believe, is about eternal life in the gospel of Jesus. The eternal life. Many theologians today, I often, often said that they more emphasize our, the, the importance of our life. So rejecting um, too much emphasis on afterlife. It might be too ethereal, too much gap from our real life. And I agree with that. We need to pray for God's kingdom come to this earth in our reality. That's very critical, I believe so. So God's kingdom must be present in our daily life, our home, our job, our society, our law, our justice system everywhere. I I pray for that. But at the same time, as I read the Bible over and over, how it also emphasizes eternal life after death. And God's righteous judgment will be there and we'll be enjoying eternity in Christ which is promised in Jesus Christ. How critical is that? So, as we wait for and going through this Advent season, I hope you to choose to believe God's power and God's grace and the eternal life promised 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Thinking the gap between choosing to believe and not to believe. And third point we need to apply to our real life is to care more the poor and the lonely, prompted by God's covering grace. Remember them and try to approach them. It was really joyful that having our church members in the jail, it sounds a bit awkward, <laughs> but it was really joyful that uh, serving the meal together and special thanks to Jim preparing all Anne and Cheryl, all the food, and they were all filled with food and turkey. They all ate two times, and we played Uno and Euchre in their pot. It was really joyful. And the testimonies from these, those inmates were really graceful to me. But the most graceful comment came after the event as we came back to church. And many of our members who joined told me, Songbin, if this is the case, we want to do it more. Let's do it for Christmas. We can, can do that, that for, for them. And that's more gracious to me. Wow. It's really good to serve people and sharing grace and people's willing heart to do it more, sharing God's grace even in the midst of jail. And there's God's joy. There must be as we share, as we remember, as we reaching out to those who are lonely and poor and suffering. There must be God's joy because God came down for all who are lonely and suffering with sins to console them, to give them grace of Jesus Christ, the grace of salvation. And remember Joseph. Imagine his emotion, how he would have been frustrated and anger, angry and discouraged because of the pregnancy of Mary and his choice to be noble and forgiving and believing the revelation through his dream. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we behold your grace of forgiveness, your covering grace and the blood of the Lamb covering our sins, our shortcomings, our mistakes. Without that, without the merit of Christ, we cannot come to you, Lord. Relying upon only the merit of Christ, we come to you to behold your grace, the splendor of the beauty of your forgiving grace, especially today with Joseph, his noble and sublime response to his fiance Mary, so, Lord, help us to grow forgiveness in us to others. We may forgive one another, accept as they are, and even blessing for those who persecute us. And encourage our faith, Lord, surrounded by many discouraging reality every day, everyday news. Sometimes really hard to believe. You are there sometimes. But pour your spirit that we may keep believing, even more believing, and we may be rejoicing based on the faith you're giving us. And lastly, help us to 
reach out to those who are poor and lonely, and we may console them and having some good time with them as we wait for the Christmas. We pray in the precious name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.